2: Okay, everybody, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Um, as you know, we've been pretty much putting out a new conversation every single day. Uh had a great lineup of people last week, have, have some more great shows coming up this week. I know uh, tomorrow, make sure you guys tune in. Uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, we're going live with Michael Johns, Co-founder of the Tea Party. Uh, so that's gonna be a fascinating conversation, especially with everything that's going on in our, in our country and in our nation. Uh, dealing with, um, you know, everything from like the bailout, uh, seeing how we should be viewing these things as conservatives. Uh, so that'll, that'll be a really interesting, um, episode. And then on, uh, we've got a few more set up. Friday, we've got one with Tommy Lee Thomas, who's an actor and, uh, and producer, director, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that'll be fun as well. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. You know, again, check in here on Facebook every day. Uh, just, re- just as a reminder, we do have our plugged in membership program as well. If you sign up for the annual membership, you get a free copy of our book, Social Injustice. We'll send that right out to you. More information on that, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, really excited about our guest today. We're bringing on Judd Saul. Who's the director of the doc, the upcoming documentary, Enemies Within the Church. Welcome to the podcast, Judd. I'm glad we could sit down and have this conversation.
1: Hey, thanks for bringing me on.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing I feel like, you know, uh, topic wise, you know, which I was really looking forward to talking to you about is just this infiltration into the church with, you know, the, essentially the Marxists are really kind of, you know, getting in. Uh, Kind of embedded within the church, and that's really what you're dealing with in your documentary. What what you know really brought you onto this project, uh, where you're like, "Hey, we're going to take on this really big issue."
1: Well, I was working on a film that we released uh, back in 2015 called "Enemies Within," which was about the uh, socialist and communist infiltration into the Democrat Party and into our Congress. And uh, that, that that put me on a trajectory for, like, probably a little over two years. I was talking to former KGB agents. I was talking to former CIA operatives. I was talking to people in the FBI. I was talking to national security experts. And during this time, I, I, I've I, working with Trevor Loudon, learned how the left operates. I learned their talking points. I learned... How they attack, how they get into things, how they get into organizations. I mean, it was like this was my life for like two years, and then uh, I've been a been a lifelong Christian. Um, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, and uh, I was going to my local church, which happened to be a Southern Baptist church here in Iowa. And in the midst of doing this film and doing these documentaries, I walk into church. And our pastor starts preaching an entire sermon on social justice. And immediately all these red flags, you know, all all my alarm bells started going ding, 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 ding. Oh, my word. Um, I was like, wow, he just said that talking point, that talking point. Oh, he just talked about this. He just talked about this. I was like, where in the world is this guy coming from? And why is this sounding like a liberal university, but it's in my what what I thought was a conservative Southern Baptist Church. And so I started digging just on the side for a few weeks and started sending things over to Trevor and asking questions. And I said and and I started coming and and, and discovering all these people. And I, I realized that this was much bigger than just one pastor in my church, that this was a this was a pandemic happening within Christian conservative organizations. So I started discovering names and organizations and I hand them off to Trevor. Now, if you have to understand Trevor Loudon, he's known as the commie hunter. Um, There is no man on the planet that understands the left, Marxism, communism, how it works, but not just how it works, but who all the actors are. Trevor has hand entered in a database of over 100,000 left-wing activists and their in their positions within communist party usa all the communist party front groups that exist who's in the unions you name it trevor is an expert so i went to him and we just started cross-referencing people that are in christian organizations that have had a long history of marxist left-wing activism but they're posing as conservative christians and so when we discovered that, because I assumed this is what where we would end up, and unfortunately that's what came came to be, and then we just went from there. And then I, I called, a, so I talked to Trevor. I was like, "This is our next film. This is what we we need to expose this right away." And we just started on that trajectory, and and we've been into this the discovery process since uh, I'd say 2017 and we're just about hopefully ready to release the film here this summer.
2: Very very cool. Now, I feel like I feel like, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff has really been festering a lot um behind the scenes within, within the church, but I feel like ever since 2016, 2017, all of this, you know, marxism and social justice and all of these issues have really come to the forefront especially within who we thought were the conservative evangelical leaders. What 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 do you feel like was that turning point where it's like, okay, we're going from zero to 100 and it just happens immediately in 2017?
1: There are three factors um, that have caused this. One, the people who we thought were conservative or at least on our side, never were. But during the Obama years... When Obama got a hold of our faith-based initiatives program and started dumping m- hundreds of millions of dollars into this, then people got hooked on the funding. They got hooked on the funding, and, and they funded this movement from within our circles. Now, you have to look back. Remember when we had the recession in 08? Right. Institutions are starving for money. The, you know, People weren't donating as much. There was a recession. The federal government, then Obama got into power, he took over George Bush, Bush's faith-based initiative programs, and the federal government started offering grants out the wazoo to seminaries, parachurch organizations, and these organizations since then have uh, thrived on these as part of their survival. And in order to get this money, they gotta they got to push the talking points. So we saw the major shift happen uh, at the election of Obama. That's when the the tide started to change. But then what happened was, is after Trump got elected, he kind of turned off the spigot a little bit. And all these organizations now hate Donald Trump. They hate conservatism. They don't like Republicans because Trump had turned off the spigot. And when you turn off hundreds of millions of dollars, that's who they're going after. Now, let's look at this from an ideological standpoint. Who does the left blame for electing Trump? All,
2: all, of, all of us, really. I'll ask you the question. All, all, of, all of us evangelicals, really.
1: They, they, they blame white evangelical Christians for electing Trump. Yep. So, what you have after that is several other organizations, including Sor- Soros Front Groups, uh, Soros uh, like Open Societies Foundation... Kern Family Foundation, which is not Soros, but another organization, Ford Family Foundation. All these all these big foundations with millions of dollars are now pouring into Christian organizations to get us to not vote Republican. Yeah. And and and, and that, that explains it. The money is really what's driving this, but along with the money came changes within boards. Uh, we've seen several organizations where the original conservative founders have passed away. They've left it to a bunch of lackeys that are only in it for the money. They're not in it for the ministry. And that's why we're seeing this major shift.
2: Yeah. And well, and, and see, the, the thing that's fascinating to me about this is a lot of these guys, again, like you were saying before, we've, we've always thought we're like our conservative evangelical leaders. Like I remember – uh, growing up and, you know, like I went to, um, you know, like I went to Shepherds conference twice, one of my favorite speakers was Al Mohler. And, and so for me, I always felt like he was one of those guys that, you know, he is very intellectual, but he was one of those guys that could really, uh, push our conservative talking points very clearly, um, very eloquently. He'd go on CNN and explain and things like that. And then all of a sudden 2017 hits and we're like, all of a sudden things start changing, um, and so, you know, but then the more I talk to people, it just seems like they're like, no, he's always he's always kind of had this liberal bent to him, and they're just like, well, he hit it pretty well. And I feel like that's kind of one of the problems with a lot of these guys is, for whatever reason, they still claim to be conservative, but they're not really. And I feel like that's that's the interesting what, twist in all this story.
1: What 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 happened is is that a lot of these guys were liberalized in the late '60s, early '70s. This is when guys like Albert Moeller were getting their degrees. This is when guys like Tim Keller were graduating seminary. Several several of the current, I would say, icons, especially within the Gospel Coalition and the new icons of the Southern Baptist Convention all looked up and were part of a leftist kind of Christianity when they were young. But what they didn't expect was Ronald Reagan, the moral majority, and that to happen. The funny thing is, is so and, and right at the same time as the moral majority and all that was happening was also the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. So after, when that whole tide happened, all these guys went underground. If they would have come out and pushed their liberal leftism, they wouldn't have been accepted. They would have been rejected by the evangelical community as being nuts. But you whittle that away over time. You watch the liberalization over. Uh, watch the liberalization over time in our country. The liberalization over uh, Christianity. Now it's safe for them to come out and act and be who they really are.
2: Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I'm just getting a note that we're cutting in and out. Let me just check one thing really quick. Let me see how we're doing. For whatever reason. Let me check let me just check our feed really quick and let me see if we're going.
1: Test one two.
2: Yeah. Are we are we coming? Are, 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 are we are we you're coming in okay here. The question is on Facebook. Are we coming in at all on Facebook? Okay. Um let me let me try one thing really quick. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're go we're going right now. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so we'll, yeah, so I think I think we're good right now. So, we'll, so we'll keep going. Um and then I'll just I'll just post it later, which which will make it fun. Um but but yes, but I I think kind of go, going along with that too, uh deal, dealing with all of this kind of like subversive um angle is um And and everybody as well. If if you guys are watching, let me know. Let me know if the video cuts out again. Just post in the comments that sort of thing. Just you know, keep 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 us updated throughout the broadcast. We'll we'll get it figured out. Um, But one of the things that I think that is interesting about what you were saying is you like you look at guys like Al Muller. You look at guys like Mark Dever. Even now, they still claim to be conservative. And so then the question is, are they? Are is it that they? have been lying to us all these years or is it just that all of a sudden now they're getting sucked back in to the way they were when they were younger in their 20s in college and that sort of thing and I feel like that's the question that I keep getting asked all the time is have these guys been lying to us all the time or is this just their their failing towards the end of their careers let's say in some of these older guys I don't know.
1: If let's just answer this question: If Mark Dever went woke 15 years ago, would he have a thriving, successful ministry called Nine Marks?
2: I don't think so. Thank you. Yep. That's it. Yeah.
1: We'll see, that's the answer. We'll see. That, that's 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 no good. And, and, so, and, and so, so, so the talking points have been this: There was a big meeting a while back. Back in. I think 2014 that we, that we were made aware of with a bunch of evangelical leaders and the talking point, And it was accepted that if we're going to maintain our institutions, this is the direction, real direction we need to go to survive and, and to grow our ministries. We need to start appealing to non-white people. And so if we're going to appeal to non-white people, we need to go with these talking points and ideas now, I'm just going to say this. I don't think Al Mohler is that stupid. I don't think Mark Dever's is that stupid. I, they know exactly what they are doing and what they've gotten involved with. Because this, this what I'm saying is this is not new. The same talking points, the social justice movement that has taken over our churches now was incubated and started in the late 60s and 70s by a lot of their professors. Yeah. So I, what I'm saying is is this isn't just some oh new thing. This has been this has been do- tried and done and destroyed and tried again and destroyed and now they're trying it again. Yeah. They know exactly what they're getting involved with. Yeah. Well and,
2: and that that's what I've found so interesting about an organization like the Gospel Coalition. And I feel like red flag number one to everybody who was involved in the beginning was, "Hey, uh this is co-founded by Tim Keller. Like that should be like red flag number one." I always refer to him as the godfather of of cultural Marxism, the godfather of social justice within Christianity. It's like, you know, wh- no, no, he's
0: not.
1: He's he's not. He's not the godfather. Yeah. Okay. He's he's the Sith apprentice. It's a good way to put it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. You know, you you have you have you have Palpatine. Okay, that would be like a guy like Ron Cider, mm-hmm. and these guys from the late '60s and '70s. This would be guys like James Cone. All right, these are like the Palpatines. Okay. Now you have the Sith Apprentice, which is like a Tim Keller. Yeah. Which is like a Russell Moore. Okay. That's 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 how I would best explain it. By sorry to go to Star Wars references, but. But I, I like to use Star Wars references. But that's how really I would explain it. And Tim Keller is just carrying the torch, yeah. Um, um for these guys, he he's never changed. But but what he managed to do was is write a few books, um, uh, get the uh, get on the same stages with R.C. Sproul and get on the same stages with with Al Mohler and those guys and and build up credibility. But the problem is not one of these guys ever took him to task on his heresy. Mm-hmm. Not one. Right. But the problem is, is you have thousands of churches still promoting Tim Keller books because it was so profound and it was so, so enlightening because he said a few good things. But no one looks at who the man is and the underpinning of what he's actually trying to accomplish. Yeah. Every time I hear a pastor or a church spout off a Tim Keller book, it makes me want to vomit in my mouth.
2: I know. What's, what's what's Just because he said a no, well, 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 I was just gonna say it's it's always funny, like uh you know, every every week in church, I always look at the church bulletin. They've always got a quote from somebody, and I always and it's it's always interesting. Like every now and then, a Tim Keller will pop up, or you know, somebody like that. And they're like, okay, guys, come on, come on. <laughs> but 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 the interesting thing is that like the Gospel Coalition it ends up being this. They set up the premise as that we're unifying around the gospel, but then it seems like nothing that they talk about is in reference to the gospel. So the what's the point of, of the organization? So
1: so the left and these people change words. They change definition of words. We've all seen in and I mean Russell Moore is a walking case of this of using language and using words where the definitions have changed. But they're using the same words. So somebody that says the gospel is not the same version of a social justice warrior's version of gospel, but we're using the same words. And when they say, like for instance, let's go to the definition of pro-life. We believe that pro-life means defending the unborn, fighting abortion. Their new definition of pro-life means taking care of the refugee.
2: Yeah, literally, that's so, that's what they're saying. Like literally, they're saying you know pro-life is taking care of them. What
1: they're yeah. Saying. So. So so they'll speak in your church and say, oh, I'm pro-life and we need to be pro-life, but their definition of pro-life is different than yours. They are masters at twisting language, and then it gets confusing enough that people go, oh, well, maybe they got a point. They're famous. They wrote books. I should listen to them.
2: Right. Yeah, and and that's part of the problem with, with, I think, where they've been able to gain so much influence and really change the trajectory of the church – is that we do have this celebrity mindset when it comes to our pastors and speakers at conferences and things like that, and to where it's like people identify with that pastor. So then whatever they say, they'll go along with you know, even if that's a change or that's a shift in their theology, they'll follow that pastor along, and as opposed to being grounded in God's word and then supporting a pastor because that pastor happens to be, you know, supporting what God's word says. And I feel like that's that's part of the problem and how they've been able to gain so much traction so quickly. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's just it's just getting so crazy out there that people are supposed to be guided by your by a pastor a pastor's supposed to shepherd their flock a pastor is not supposed to regurgitate someone else's book the only book that they're supposed to regurgitate and and uh, and and spread to their congregation is the bible now you can be informed on certain things but when you're preaching out of somebody else's book and you're a pastor you're not doing your job yep yeah and let's let's be honest the, it was never supposed to be this way.
2: Never, never, and that, and that's the thing, you know. And I and I've, and I've told I've just I've told this story, um, a few times as well. But like, you know, I was talking with somebody, and they were they were leading like a Bible study, and all they would do is they would keep, um, they would keep uh go, going back and quoting a pastor, and and then what, what what that was like their Bible study, and I'm like, the problem is is that if you put all the premise on that pastor. Then what's gonna happen is then if something happens to that pastor and they morally fail, or they go off the deep end and teach some, teach some heretical thing, all of a sudden now all of your Bible study's been invalidated because you, the whole premise is on this is what that pastor says. As opposed to maybe using right. a quote to support God's word to help you understand it more. But again, the main focus needs to be on God's word, not your favorite celebrity, author, pastor, speaker, and that sort of thing. And I feel like that's really where we've gone wrong and where the lay people are really getting led astray right now.
1: Well, I just say this. Look, there's a Christian industry, and then there's Christian ministry. Christian ministry seeks to disciple people, to uh, uh, spread the word, spread the gospel, and, and to uh, do all they can, you know— uh, by their calling for Christ. Then there's a Christian industry, which isn't motivated by ministry. Yep. And the problem is, is we've conflated the two. Now there's nothing wrong with someone writing books and, and, and putting stuff out there, but it's to the level of where we put these people, where, you know, they're, 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 they're men and women, you know, just like the rest of us. And we are not to elevate them above our calling.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now now one of the things that I know you guys have been, you know, writing about and getting the word out about to a certain degree, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier, is the money and the finances that are kind of trickling in from outside the church. If you can kind of talk about that, like yeah. h- how how are essentially non Christians influencing the trajectory of the church right now?
1: It's crazy. I mean, it's on a massive scale. Ten, I would probably say hundreds to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars are affecting that. And it's so bad that there are larger ministries. I dropped the name a while back, but look at an organization like World Relief. Okay? Most people and most Christians in their churches think that World Relief is an actual Christian organization that is a missions organization that spreads the gospel. False. Not anymore. World Relief, 70% of their budget comes from the federal government for refugee resettlement. And I have it from people within their organization that they are not allowed to proselytize because it offends the Muslims. And so uh, uh, one of their people contacted us and said, I joined this, I joined this organization because I was called to be a missionary. And now I'm told by the organization I can't preach. This is a roughly about a $100 million a year organization we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The same applies to World Vision. Any major Christian organization that is on the dole for refugee resettlement is not sharing the gospel. They're sharing the government. Yep. And they're doing it with your tax dollars. But they're also taking donations from churches and Christian people from all over the country, telling them one thing while doing another.
2: Yeah, and see, and see, like, that's, that's the crazy thing to me, is that, is that, is that strictly because of money, organizations are no longer preaching the gospel. Like, I thought that was supposed to be our number one priority going out into the world. Obviously, you know, we can help people, we can build them homes, we can give them food, we can do things like that, but all, all of that's supposed to come, you know, secondary to preaching the gospel. Like, that's supposed to be our primary mission, and all of a sudden it's like, well, no, we don't get money unless, we, unless so, we compromise.
1: Well, let's talk about the gospel they replace it with. They replace it with the gospel of social justice, which is eliminating the injustices in the world. Therefore, that's spreading the gospel, because if we eliminate the injustices in the world, then we're showing the love of Jesus. But they fail to not talk about Jesus when they're showing the love of Jesus, so people don't know it's actually coming from Jesus or in his name. You can't do a good deed without sharing the gospel if that's your intention. Yep. You know, it's, uh, but, but that's where the social justice gospel is infecting these organizations because it gives them a justification to say, oh, no, we're spreading the gospel. We're showing the love of Jesus by eliminating injustices. And that makes them feel warm and fuzzy inside, but at the end of the day, guess what they're doing? They're bringing in people who are hostile towards Christianity into our own nation, without telling them about Jesus. Yep. This is really twisted. So that's on that's that's on the mission side. Now let's go into the seminaries. Like I said, if you get a grant, let's say from an organization like the Kern Family Foundation, you have to do what that grant tells you to do to spend their money effectively. So if they give you a million dollars, you got to do what that grant says. Now it just happens to coincide. Let's go to the Kern Family Foundation. Every seminary that has taken money from the Kern Family Foundation immediately started social justice programs in their seminaries. And the Kern Family Foundation, ironically, is working hand-in-hand with the Acton Institute, Oikonomia Network, and guess who is the architect behind it all of their curriculum? Tim Keller.
2: Of course, shocker.
1: <laughs> go figure. Yeah, he co-wrote the he co-wrote the blueprint for this nonsense. Now, you guys have to look up. You have to go back and look up Oikonomia Network and look and and look into these other things. You can look at it for yourself and look at the writings and, and read what it is. But I'm going to tell you right now: if you look at the Oikonomia Network. And their plan for human flourishing—it's virtually identical to the United Nations plan for human flourishing, just with some word changes.
2: Yeah, again, shocker. And the and the thing is, is that this yeah. this is all again. If, if you're looking at the UN, and not to get crazy conspiratorial, but we look at it, we look at our eschatology, right? That the whole point of that is essentially bringing everybody together, you know, essentially ushering in the Antichrist in the end times. And then what's crazy? Is when we start seeing the church parroting the exact things that are trying to be implemented in yep. order to usher in the Antichrist. It's like we're doing it in the name of Jesus, even though in in reality what we're doing is we're doing we're doing it, not we, but we as the church are doing it for the purpose of establishing that one world religion, one world government, all that, all that craziness. And it's like, does do these do these guys like Tim Keller and Dever and the Gospel Coalition do they not realize what they're doing, or are they just sold out and you know completely given over to the, to the other to the other side?
1: Well, why why would why would Mark Dever hire a guy like Jonathan Lehman, who graduated from the London School of Economics? Now, if you're not familiar with the London School of Economics, that's a Fabian socialist college out of England. Why would he hire John Lehman to be his vice president who is also now One of the biggest proponents of redefining what pro-life is, who's also redefining and, and saying that you can be a Christian and still vote for a socialist because because they care about life. They care about the whole life as a person versus somebody on the conservative side that, quote unquote, insinuates that they don't. Okay, Why would Mark Dever hire a guy like that? Why is Mark Dever promoting a book called Divided by Faith, which was written by two commies? That's the book that changed Mark Dever's life and mind. And now he's telling every organization that he's involved with to read Divided by Faith, which is communist propaganda. It's trash. It's garbage. If anybody has half a brain and they read this, they would say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. This is reality, folks, and Mark Devers in control of one of the largest church planning networks in the country of what people would think are conservative denominational churches.
2: Well, and also, and also throw in there, like, like like you were saying before, they're redefining words and redefining terminology, and I, I think what they're doing, and, I, and I'm saying think as in being very gracious, is they're redefining what it means to be a conservative because they're all claiming to be conservative and, you know, having sympathy and compassion and all these kinds of things. But then they're act, they're literally promoting sin. They're literally promoting secular anti-God, uh, philosophies, theology, and all of that is coming into the church. And then now it's literally in yeah. almost every single church in America. And that's all happened within the, right. within the last few years, really. It's just exploded. It's crazy to me.
1: What, what's crazy is, is and, and I um, I talked to a few other guys about this, I asked them, I, who, who've been investigating and looking into this over the years, and I asked, I said, did you think we would be where we are here two years ago? And they said, absolutely not. We thought this would take at least five years to get to the point they're at now. But they have escalated it so fast over the past two years, It's, it's utter insanity. And... The people that should know better, the pastors that should know better, the seminary professors that come to us and give us information but refuse to come out publicly because they're afraid of losing their jobs, should know better. That if they spoke out with the rest of us, they could end this thing. But too many people who know better are afraid to name the names. They're afraid to stand up. And I just want to put this out there, anybody that's watching this. If you know better and you're not saying anything about this, and when all this goes to hell in a handbasket, it's at your hands. Jeff Dornick is doing his part. I'm doing my part. There are several others of, of, of us in the fight that are doing our part, but it's going to take all of us to raise our voices, to confront this evil and to stop it. But if we sit on our hands because we're afraid of conflict, shame on you, you are to blame.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree, and I think that that's part of the problem that, that we're really experiencing right now in the church is that the the visible leadership isn't actually taking a stand. The And, and what's fascinating to me when looking at the grand land, landscape of everything is that it's, for the most part, it's the lay people that, that are understanding it, the lay people that are discerning and like, what is my pastor talking about? The pastors are buying into this hook, line and sinker. It's the people in the pews. They're like, this doesn't line up with scripture. And, and so I think that what it's, what it's going to take in order to actually change and change this and, 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 and fix this situation is 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 we're, get, we're gonna we're going to have to be unifying as the lay people, as the people in the congregations from congregation to congregation and really rise up. Because at this point we can, we can no longer rely on, on the big names. We can no longer even rely on the majority of our pastors to actually take a stand because they're afraid of not getting invited to the conferences, not getting their book deals, you know, not getting, you know, promoted.
1: And, 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 in, their, and, and in their training, in their training at their seminaries, they have been emasculated. They haven't been trained to be pastors. They are emasculated hirelings is what we're dealing with. Okay. They are taught in the seminaries, if somebody has a question about this, if somebody raises objections, if somebody's concerned, you isolate, marginalize, and throw them out of your church because they cause division. Mm -hmm. Rather than answer questions, rather than uh, have a serious dialogue about what's going on, they marginalize you, isolate you, and kick you out of the church because you're being divisive. I get calls from people all over the country, email, you know, and I, count, I become a counselor to the unwoke because they don't know what to do. They try bringing the issues up, uh, and the pastor gets the deacons to marginalize them. They get the deacons to even even make fun of them for raising concerns about this. Then they're left all alone, and they get shoved out of the church. Yep. Those who know better, those who know what is right in their heart. You are the remnant, we are the remnant and i don 't care what it takes don't go down without a fight and don 't go down silently
2: yeah no that's very true and, you know and in, 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 i've had so many people reach out to me and tell me stories of how their church yeah. has um, has actually physically kicked them out of their church like i I had one guy that reached out to me from, uh, he lived in the, he lived in the, in the United Kingdom and in his church literally did church discipline on him, kicked him out of the church because he raised concerns that there was a, an old Testament professor from, from a very prominent seminary here in the United States that was teaching that God and Allah are one and the same. And he was citing certain passages in Job and that sort of thing. And it was basically saying, you know, Muslims and Christians, we worship the same God. And he was like, Hey, that doesn't seem to jive with me, you know? And so he literally he got kicked out of his church. And not only was he kicked out of his church, but then they told him whichever church you go to next, we're going to let them know that you're divisive. Like that's flat, that's flat out intimidation uh, tactics that are trying where they're trying to silence you for trying to rise up. So yeah. that's one of those things that we have to understand. We're going up against a machine and it's going to be a battle and they're going to use some of those tactics against you. But we're still fighting the good fight. And that's the thing that we have to remember is we're doing this for God's glory, not for our local pastor's glory. And that's the thing that we have to remember.
1: Amen to that brother. And remember, if you have a pastor that's teaching heresy, he's a heretic. Yep. If you have a pastor that teaches something and refuses to answer questions with you and doesn't engage. Now, To be fair, people can go overboard and be very, uh, not go about this the right way. But if you go through the, if you try to go through a dialogue and your pastor refuses to dialogue with you on something he said that is completely, doesn't set well in your heart and is completely wrong, they need to be confronted. And the church needs to know about it. Yep. Because what you have is an emasculated hireling not a pastor. Any pastor that preaches a sermon should be able to back up what he's preaching with the word.
2: Yep. What one, one hundred percent agree. Now for everybody that's watching, I've gotten a few notes that we're kind of cutting in and out. We're not cutting in and out on our end. So uh, the full video will be is is being recorded. We'll post it on YouTube and stuff later as well. So that way, if if you guys are having issues with buffering and that sort of thing, the full video will be available uh, later. So just so you guys are aware. Um, But but again, with, with these pastors and with these guys in the evangelical lead, if we want to even call them like the deep state within evangelicalism to a certain degree, it's like they're doing, they're doing everything that they can in order to hold on to their power, hold on to their money, hold on to their status. I mean, you know, what, what's crazy to me is like even looking at the Southern Baptist Convention, we've, we've really seen this so much and a lot of people are even shocked and, surprised at their decision not to hold their election this year and they're just they're just going to hold on to their power another year. they just arbitrarily made that made that up on the fly and you're like um guys this may be a little corrupt here
1: uh you think (laughs) you think
2: yeah the
1: the 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 bad news is for them is that uh that's given people more time to set up a resistance and I'd like to thank the Southern Baptist Convention for delaying their uh, their vote, uh, especially for the reasons of our film uh, and coronavirus. You guys just gave us a grace period. We're gonna be out before the next convention. I just want to let you know, and we're dropping names, guys. We're not holding back. Just letting you know.
2: Hey, I, I, hey, I, 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 again, I'm just I'm just throwing this out there, but. By the time they actually have the Southern Baptist convention, you can have, you can have the full-on red carpet premiere right out right outside their events and it's like usher, usher all the guys in and it's like you're you're good to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, I'm just saying this delay was is is a godsend for us. Yeah. Um because it's uh it, it's it's giving everybody uh, more time to organize and uh and, and uh, put up a fight again put up a fight against this. I am just going to say this We're dropping names, we're dropping money, we know where the money's coming from, and all you guys are going to be outed, and I'm just going to give a little advice to the Southern Baptist Convention, those who are doing this, if you ask for forgiveness, you apologize, and you turn away from the evil deeds you're doing, all is forgiven and all is fine, However, if you do what you did, like you did to Robert Lopez at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and flat-out lied, and then doubled down on your lies, you guys are in trouble.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see. And, and that's the thing is that these guys—it's like they—it's like they literally don't have a conscience. They're w- they're willing to flat-out lie. They're willing to mislead. They're willing to, to right. essentially do right. anything that they need to do in order to keep power and silence opposition. And it's like we're not dealing right. with people that have a moral compass and they just happen to be believing in a, in a different theology. They are using subversive tactics and flat out leftist, um, progressive, flat out anti-God tactics used to silence people like Bobby Lopez, used to silence guys like Tom Littleton, used to silence like all the guys that are associated with your, with your documentary. They're not being honest. Right. And that's what we have to remember.
1: No, and, and the, 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 one of the biggest red flags that people need to understand of how these guys operate is, one, they will never answer a direct question with a direct answer. Two, they always speak in funny, um, what's, what's the best word to use? Nuanced language. All their answers are nuanced. Everything they say is nuanced. They will never let their yes be their yes or their no be their No they cannot answer a direct question with a direct straight answer. Mm-hmm. It's everything is nuanced. That's a red flag for lying. It's a red flag for somebody who's covering something. Somebody that cannot answer a direct question. And I want and I just want people to really this is how you see through guys like Al Mohler. This is how you see through guys like Russell Moore and Tim Keller because when they're asked a direct question, they never give you a direct answer.
2: Oh yeah, you I I remember watching um I remember watching that uh, that sh- famous Shepherds Conference Q and A session that, that happened, and 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 people know I've had my issues with 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 Phil Johnson in the past, but he was asking the right questions to those guys right yes. there on stage, and he did a good job of saying like, "Hey, what's the deal here?" And uh, was it Liga Duncan, Mark Dever, and Al Moeller? All they did the entire time was just deflect, deflect, deflect. They they never actually just said. Hey, here's what I believe, here's what I'm saying, here's why. At least come out with like a justification. What they what they did is they were just deflecting. Right. And that that was the most frustrating hour is because it was like what we accomplished nothing and all you did was show that you're not being honest and you're trying to hide something.
1: Kind of interesting, isn't it? Yep. You know, when when you're asked a direct question, especially from a brother to brother, believer to believer, um you, you answer directly. You know, as Christians, we should be open and honest about where we're at in our walk with God, or our walk with life, and uh, we shouldn't really be hiding anything. And especially people that, are, that have such a massive influence over millions of Christians. You can't get a direct answer out of them on something that is raised concern with so many people. Something's up. Yeah. And we're going to out it. Yep. Now,
2: now, now, with with your documentary, I know I know you guys have had um, a lot of really good people that you guys have interviewed and that you guys have featured um, in there. That you know, they're they're in the know. They know what's going on. You got to talk about like what what how how is your documentary set up and who are some of the people that you have involved with this project?
1: Um. Well, uh, the status. I'll just go with the status of where we're at right now. Uh, we have done over 20 interviews uh, with different folks for the film. Uh, we have people from all kinds of different denominations, uh, experts in their field. And we also have victims that we've interviewed, people that have been directly affected by the social justice movement and what it did to their churches or what it did to their organizations. And we have a plethora of material sent from organizations and Uh, professors and people within seminaries and parachurch organizations, which we are going to leak out truth. And so how we're doing this is, is we're, we're going to talk about the history of how we got here. We're going to talk about three main issues that the American church has embraced that has allowed this garbage to happen in the first place, uh, which is pietism Situational ethics and antinomianism. Okay? And we're going to touch on the history of those and how that infected the church. And how that watered everything down to the point that gullible people and laymen and even pastors are willing to accept something as heretical as a social justice gospel. And uh, so we're going to do some history. but We're going to talk to experts on these subjects. And we're going to talk to victims that have been affected. And uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be a very, it's gonna it's gonna really swat the hornet's nest. The other thing is, we're also naming the money and naming names of the people behind it. After the film is done, we are going to release extended interviews with everybody that we've talked to. So everyone that we interviewed, we're gonna you know to be cleaned up so we don't have the people picking their nose and things like that and <laughs> in the. Um, the interviews, and we're going to we're going to show extended interviews so people can dive into these subjects, be able to get more information out of it. Because, I mean, we are <clears throat> we're getting rid of so much gold and so much great material to fit because we got to fit all this into ninety minutes. And some of these people have said some amazing things that I was like, wow! But I can't throw that in the film. So, we're in the middle of putting this thing together in post. We still have more shooting to do. Um we're still behind on our budget. Uh we're still looking for the money to finish our post production and to do our last round of filming. Uh and so um that's kind of where we're at. This has been grassroots funded for the last 2 years, and that's how long it's taken us to get to this point.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think that, that that's an important distinction to make as well is that what what the, I always refer to it like the bad guys they they have the money. They've, they've got the influence. They've got, they've got the status. They've got the, they've got, even got the, the credibility in the sense of they're speaking at big arenas with, on big platforms and they're getting the money from the government and, and all this kind of stuff. It, it's a lot more difficult for people that are actually trying to expose them. It's a lot more difficult for people that are actually promoting the truth and biblical truth. And it's always been that way. It's always been the, 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 the heretics and the people that are promoting a false gospel, you know, they're the ones that, uh, that always have the establishment, that have the power, that have the backing of, you know, big players and that sort of thing. Whereas guys like you and your documentary and the people, you know, some of the other people that are part of, you know, kind of our group that are really going at this, we're all just going at it because we believe in it. We don't have the background and the funding and the, and the influence that maybe some, some of these guys like a Tim Keller or Mark Dever or the Gospel Coalition have. So it's important that people that are watching this, like, hey, support the documentary, support the people that are actually doing this kind of thing.
1: If, if Tim Keller needs a million dollars, he can call up anybody and get a million dollars at the drop of a hat. Same way with Al Mohler. He can call somebody up, call up a bunch of wealthy people and say, I need a million dollars or something. He'll get it. He'll get it in a heartbeat. Um, guys like us, uh, here's, here's one thing. I just, I just want to make a point and I'll go on a quick rant on this is, is, um, All our donors have been grassroots, and one thing I noticed about very large donors, people that write $100,000 or a $1 million checks, one thing I don't sell is influence. I don't sell influence, okay? I don't have a million person following. I don't, I I may not have all the connections, but I'm not selling influence, and that's what big donors usually like to give to, is somebody they perceive as can sell them some influence or some sort of legacy uh, type thing, and us guys that uh, work for a living and really, uh, you know, that are on the grassroots side of things, the the big people uh, don't like to fund these type of projects because one, is controversial; it might make them look bad to somebody. Um, I had one very wealthy person say he wouldn't fund any of my stuff because he was busy buying a new jet so
2: priorities (laughs) yes yes
1: so and i'm not i'm not talking bad about people that have that have means or that have money i mean god bless you lord's blessed you amen but i would like you to ask yourself when you give to an organization are you giving to it because you're looking to gain influence or some sort of legacy built behind you or do you really want to change the country you want to change the direction, the bad direction that our church is headed, and do you want to you want to fund a battle? Because that's what guys like Jeff and I and several others are doing. We're at the grassroots fighting the battle, and we get ridiculed for it by many, and we're not making any friends uh, in the long term doing this. So, you give ten million dollars to a theater uh, that does plays. Or you could give to organizations and people like us that are really struggling uh, to make ends meet to deliver you this information. And I'm talking about guys like Jeff and the rest of us. Um, That's the way it is. But I'm sorry I I had to go on that subject and go on that rant.
2: No, uh, uh, it's an important distinction that, 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 that needs to be made because it comes down to what are our priorities as the church? You know, are our priorities uh, personal, you know, personal growth and, you know, making ourselves better and bigger and better and that sort of thing? Or is it actually accomplishing something? And we're at that point of practically no return, I think, right now in the church of, It's now or never. Like if we wait another five years, I mean it's going to be so much more difficult and and I don't want to say impossible because nothing is impossible with God. But it's going to be so much more difficult to try to right the sinking ship in five years than if we did it in the next six months. What,
1: What kind of country do you want to leave your children and grandchildren? If you give $10 million to have your name on a building somewhere, how is that going to help your children or grandchildren? Guys, I'm telling you the fight is now. It is both it is both within the church and it's also politically. Okay, but political candidates aren't going to solve the issue because politics is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from religion and Christianity. If we don't fix this over here, we won't have a culture and your politics, you can kiss that goodbye. Yeah, well, and and, and that's how serious
2: it's, it's, well, it's, it's very serious. And the thing is, is that, you know, everybody always funds their favorite politicians or their political group. And, and I, and there's, obviously there's a, there's a time and a place for that. And especially with where we are in this country, it's, it's vitally important, but as believers and as Christians, we need to remember politics and politicians and even culture. It's just a reflection on the heart status of the people in the country. Because people in the society. Yep. Right, and 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 And, that and that's where if we could actually get out there and preach the gospel and change people's minds theologically, our politics would by would be a byproduct of that. But I think I think our basically the political system right now and how corrupt it is is just a reflection of how corrupt we all are as Americans.
1: Right, and and I want to say that you know. In our film, and just to be clear, there is going to be a clear representation and presentation of the gospel. We hope people, you know, even people who have been going to church for 30 years might actually hear the gospel for the first time by by watching the film. And people have to realize, and you have to think long term, typically conservatives think short term. They look at the next election or the next little thing that's happening there we need to be looking at things 30 years down the road because that's exactly what the left has been doing. Yep. That's what the secular humanists, the Fabian socialists, the Marxists have been looking at a long-term plan for over the last 50 years. And it seems us on the conservative side always look to the next thing that's like six months or a year down the road. We are not thinking long-term. And we need to change our thinking. To thinking long term for the future of our country,
2: what I 100% agree, and I think that, that that's why that's why I think it, it's so important that we do have like a documentary like Enemies Within the Church, because it, it is exposing uh, their strategy, their ideology, but then also the compromise that we're seeing with these guys that are in the church, and they've been they they have been prominent leaders for the last twenty years, and. Um, right. And, and obviously they've got a long-term game. We need, we need to match that or beat that even with our long-term game. And that really comes back to the gospel, biblical truth. Like it's not that difficult, but at the same time, it takes people to actually do it.
1: And I want to make one thing clear because I've, I've had to say this because we've taken on Campus Crusade because they've gone woke. Guys, sorry to drop their name. They've gone completely woke and gone social justice. It's abs- it's horrible what's happening over there. But we've been accused of we're just out to tear down people and tear down organizations. We're just we're just out to be mean and divisive because they're using you know, they've been trained to hate people like us. Guys, our whole intention is to stop the nonsense, is to kill the heresy is to preserve the organizations that have been built to serve Christ. We don't want them taken over, and we don't want them ruined. So if we call out a name and we call out an organization that has a soft side and a soft spot in your heart, we're doing it for a reason, not to tear down an organization. We're doing it so you can call them up and say, stop, this is not why we supported you. Well, you know, that is why we're doing this.
2: Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, though, not it's not that it's not that all of us who are actually in this fight are just in this to tear down big names, but some of these organizations, right. they they do need to be torn down. Not just because they're a big name, but it's because they're actually preaching a false gospel. They're they're preaching heresy. Yeah. And that's what needs to be confronted. That's why they need to be torn down. And the thing is, is that until we take on these, these big guys, like, like the people that you're going to be exposing in your documentary, the good guys, which is typically this, this, the medium to small preachers, they're never gonna. Ha- they're never gonna be able to get out there in the same way to actually be preaching the gospel because everybody's just so focused on the Al and the Devers and the Gospel Coalitions and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of this actually, two, two-fold strategy going on. I think.
1: Exactly, exactly. So- and the film is calling up a, The film is calling up a remnant of pastors and of lay Christians across the country, to say, "Let's work. Let's unite together. Let's get back on the right path here." And we are not taking – we're not nitpicking on different denominations, and different denominations might have a way they like to do things here versus another thing here. This is an orthodox Christian film. So we are not getting in the Calvinism versus non-Calvinism arguments. We're not getting involved with that stuff. What we are identifying is the enemy coming in from outside that is now within our churches because – Both Arminians and Calvinists and Lutherans and Wesleyans and everybody else are all affected by this. Yep. And the the thing is, and I want to get this through to people, the thing is, if we don't kill this beast, if we don't put to bed the social justice nonsense and have a Christian Orthodox conservative resurgence, guys, we won't be able to argue these other positions later.
2: Yeah, no. That, see, see that, and that, and that's the thing that we need to remember. And and again, because you know, I, I'm a five point Calvinist. I'm a cessationist. But through through this fight and through through this um, through this whole ordeal, you know, I've built so many great relationships with people that are charismatic, are free grace, totally disagree with me on on a lot of these theological issues. But the one thing that we all agree on is we agree on the gospel. We we agree on the on the supremacy of God's word. And then we also agree, hey guys, there's a problem here, and we're going to have to unify with people that maybe don't line up with every single little theological issue in order to beat this big monster. And then we can go back to lovingly debating with each other and have and having these these other battles over over these different theologies, which I think we do need to have those conversations. But let's not lose yes. sight of the big purpose right now which is saving souls and saving this church from completely imploding right now.
1: Amen, brother. So so if, Amen. so so if people
2: if people want to support you guys and support the documentary, what's going to be the best way for them to do that?
1: Enemieswithinthechurch.com Go to our website, www.enemieswithinthechurch.com. And uh, all your donations are tax-deductible. Um, uh, Cornerstone World Outreach uh, is uh, uh, helping fund this project. Your donations go to Cornerstone World Outreach. And, you know, where else can you give a tax-deductible donation that fights Marxism? Not too many places, especially within the church. And, uh, guys... We need financial support. We need your prayers. And pray for guys like Jeff. Pray for Jeff Dornick. Pray for other get people that are in this fight. This is a very lonely road. And we need prayers, and we need prayers for protection. And the other thing, uh, if you guys haven't known about the film or what's uh, what we've been up to, if you guys have research or stories, send them our way. Send them through the website. Um. All information is good information, as long as it's not too crazy. <laughs> and I say that within reason. But but if it pertains to the subject or something that's happened in your church or things like this, uh, we document everything. Uh, send us material, um, and let other people know about this important project. Um, we we can't do this without you or your help, and uh, we're very grateful.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and see, and see, yeah, it's, as well, this, this is the reason, this is why a lot of, you know, everybody always talks about like a grassroots movement, right? It's very difficult to get going, but once it gets going, it really takes off. And, and I think that one thing that we need to remember is that, like, there may be a lot of people that are like, I can't wait, wait to see that documentary. And they'll shell out the 20 bucks once, once it comes out to see it or, you know, whatever that might be. But at the same time, right now, we actually need help and, Actually getting it funded, so that way we we can get this information out there because it's so important. There's been other people that have tried to do similar things, but you know I've seen the trailer that you guys showed at the Stand Against uh, Marxism you know conference, and I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a one of a kind uh, documentary that's really gonna dive into these issues, and it's gonna take individual people that are willing to support something like this in order to actually get this out there and really take on the big dogs that, you know, everybody seems to be talking about on small levels, but it's like, we need to unify. We we need to actually get something like this out there.
0: Correct. Correct. So so, I thank you. uh... mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, so so everybody as well, if you guys go to enemies within the you guys can help support, you know, keep up on what's going on. I know they put out information and things like that as well. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks Judd for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, you know, definitely keep up the good work with everything you're doing, which is, you know, it's definitely needed right now in the church.
1: I appreciate your work too, sir. And, uh, may the Lord bless your ministry. Thank you.
2: Thank, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And then, uh, for everybody as well, uh, we will be back here, uh, tomorrow. 11 a.m., uh, with Michael Johns, again, the co-founder of the Tea Party. Gonna have a fascinating uh, conversation with him. Uh, last time he was on, we had, we had a great time. Really looking forward to, uh, this next one as well. Um, and then also as well, just wanted to remind you all, we do have, um, a project that JD Rucker from Knock Report and I are working on. If you go over to uh, AmericanConservativeMovement.com, you guys can, uh, fill out, or, you know, submit your email. We'll, we'll be making some announcements here pretty soon, uh, very soon actually, but it's gonna be a really exciting thing to try to unify people around conservative values, especially as we're seeing the big, uh, big government, um, ideals really taking over our society in general. So, want more information on that? AmericanConservativeMovement.com. And then we will see you guys back here tomorrow.
0: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforumc.org.